In verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. In other words, I really didn't die. But in God's eyes, I died because Christ died in my place. So in God's eyes, I died, paid for my sin. So I don't have to be under the law because I'm paid my debt to the law. I'm free from the law. I'm free. That's why he says, do not become entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Because you've been set free from it. Don't let somebody try to put you back underneath the law. And i got to keep the law to go to heaven now. Okay, which one? Well, it says, you know, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. How you doing? Do you love him with all your heart? I mean, nothing's left. I mean, there's no empty place in there. It's 100%. Not 99.9. It's got to be 100%, do you? Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you really? Do you really? And yet everything can be fulfilled in love. But we don't love the way we should. We still have that old sinful nature, and we're still greedy. We're still envious. You still get mad at something that I say. I bet you I could say something tonight to make you mad. I'm not going to. I never would do anything like that purposely. But I could probably still say something to hurt your feelings. True? You probably could say something or do something to make me mad. Probably. No. No. No, I'm above all of that. I don't have any feelings. <laughs> now, if I was to take, you know, Emilio, because Emilio, he trusted Christ as Savior, and so in God, well, he's done. So here's Emilio, he's laying up here, he's a dead man. I could walk up to him and kick him. Why? He won't kick me back. Why won't he kick me back? Because he's dead. I could spit on him. He won't spit on me back. Why? Because he's dead. See, if he's dead, he's dead. We're to be alive unto God. <laughs> don't try that with me. And I won't try that with you because I know you still got an old sinful nature. And I'm supposed to live and reckon as though it's true. And then though in God's eyes it is true. But we're still living. And we're still living in a physical body. And God tells us now, you were saved by believing the gospel and you had a spiritual birth. And so the Holy Spirit gave you a spiritual life. And so now you're supposed to live according to the Holy Spirit that lives within you and teaching you the word of God. And everything works wonderful. So he says in chapter 3 there, I want you to look in chapter 3 and verse 1. So he's talking to Christians and they have been bewitched. Who hath bewitched you? Who charmed you? Oh, foolish Galatians. Does that sound like he's trying to win friends and influence people? He must never have read Devil Carnegie's book on how to win friends I've influenced. Well, anyway. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. He said, I came to. I'm the one that led you to the Lord. It wasn't those Judaizers. They didn't lead you to Christ. He said, I did that. I came to you. I preached the gospel. You heard it. You believed it. So in verse 2, this only what I learn of you. Receive you the Spirit. How did you receive the Holy Spirit? By the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? You heard and you believed and you were indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So you received the Holy Spirit. Is it because you kept the law? Well, if you have to keep the law to get the Holy Spirit, at what point in your life do you say, okay, I can have him now because I've kept the law? Or would you have to wait till the end of your life to get the Holy Spirit? You see, if it became a test of you've got to perform before you get the Holy Spirit, well, you can't get the Holy Spirit until you die. Well, you don't need him then. It's too late. But if you can get the Holy Spirit ahead of time, all you got to do is by believing. So then he asked this question, are you so foolish? He says, Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? 
Look up here. Flesh birth, spirit birth. Did you get this birth because of the works of the flesh? No. By the hearing of faith. You heard the gospel. You trusted Christ as Savior. And so you got the new birth by hearing the gospel. Not by the works of the flesh. Now, are you going to perfect this one by making him listen to the flesh? You're going to stick this new little baby underneath the flesh? I used to tell people, look, you don't put live chickens under a dead hen. Now think about it for a minute. Would you put live chickens under a dead hen? No. And you don't put live chickens in dead churches. So you want to try to get as many people as you can to trust the Lord, but you want to get them to a place where you can nurture them and bring them along. And that's been lost today. But anyway, as we're moving right along here, he says, you have this truth that's been against you. You did obey the truth. What did hinder you? Now, see there in chapter 5, in chapter 5, look what he says there in verse 7. Chapter 5, verse 7. He says, you did run well. So he's talking to those who did run, and they were running pretty good. In other words, you were serving the Lord. You were doing fine. And then he says this. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Because false teachers keep you from obeying truth. They get you to obey error, to believe something that's not true. And it robs you of your peace and your joy and your happiness. And that all these things are what is ruined. A lot of Christians, a lot of believers. Now, I want you to take your Bible and look there in Galatians in chapter 2. Look in verse 1. Then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. Now, he had uh, been up there, as you know, a little bit before that. And he'd gone up there and spent about 15 days with Peter, James, and John. And then uh, it'd been gone. But he'd already been in the uh, backside of a desert, I guess, in Arabia for three years. And that's where the Lord told him everything that he wanted him to teach. And God revealed things to him, taught him things. And uh, so he didn't learn it from the other apostles. And uh, he had about four times that he had gone up to Jerusalem. But uh, they didn't want to have too much to do with Paul because, uh, well, they heard what kind of a man he was. So Barnabas comes along and he goes down and, uh, to Tarsus and gets a hold of Paul and brings him up. And uh, kind of introduces him around a little bit. And he is one who comes alongside. But it was his idea first. And so um, God always likes to, you know, when you need some help, it's amazing how sometimes just one little friend will come alongside of you. And most people have got at least one friend. <laughs> if you've got five, you're rich. But if you've got one good friend, you know, that comes alongside. Nothing wrong with that as long as they're a good friend. But now, this Titus was a, um, an issue. And so he says in verse 2, And I went up by revelation. That means uh, it was his idea because of God's vision to him. And he talks about the revelation that he'd already got in verse 12 of chapter 1, how he got the gospel. Now to go and do what he was going to do now, he went by special revelation. And the issue had come up about whether or not do you have to be circumcised? Do you have to keep the law? Well, he had a guy with him named Titus. Titus was a Greek. So did Titus? Well, he hadn't been circumcised. And so the apostle Paul, because this issue came up in the church, and so it was Paul's idea to go up to the council in Jerusalem and talk to all these head guys, you know, the big shots, you know, the, the other apostles. And he says, I don't want to run or have run in vain. He says, I'm taking Titus with me. He says, and when I went, he says, 
None of the other apostles demanded that Titus be circumcised. Because he didn't have to be. Well, they was teaching that. And they said, somebody comes from Jerusalem and they're teaching that. So he goes up there and he don't want to waste his time. He said, look, I got Titus with me. Because I'm not playing games. I'm not wasting my time. He says, do you demand him? It wasn't that they were going to come up there and see if Paul was right. Paul was going up there to see if they were right. Because they said they came from the church in Jerusalem. So he didn't want to waste his time running back. So he goes... And talk to them point blank, straight on. Now, and you'll notice that in verse 3, but neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren, unawares, brought in. So somebody had brought some of these false teachers into the church in Jerusalem, and they were leaving and going out and telling things that were not true. And the apostles Evidently, maybe not have known about this. So what Paul does in Acts chapter 15 is uh, uh, we got to have a meeting. So they decide to have a meeting. But when he gets to Titus, did Titus, did he have his message right? I wonder if he did. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Titus. To the book of Titus. You got the uh, Thessalonians and the Timothys and then you got Titus. All the T's are together like that. But look in the book of Titus. And you'll notice in chapter 1 of the book of Titus, this is on page 1283, Paul had sent him there because he was going to set in order. Now, the Timothy talks about, you know, the, um, the sound doctrine of the church. But Titus comes along and gives the order of the church. And so he says here in verse, let's just look in verse 5 here, where he says, For this cause, Paul said, is I left thee in Crete, that thou should have set in order the things that are wanting, that are lacking, and ordained elders in every city as I appointed thee. And if any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. For a bishop or elder or pastor must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, or given to wine or striker, nor given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. Uh, in other words, most people can't meet the qualification. That's why we have so many people that never trained themselves to be a pastor, an evangelist, missionary, because... You talk about going to boot camp. This is rough stuff. And, and you got to be able to meet this. And it's not just for anybody. It's for somebody who wants to pay the price. Some people cannot pay the price. But now look what he says. In verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he had been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayer. So you've got to know sound doctrine so that those people when they teach error, you can refute it. And this is why you're always hearing me talk about Calvinism. Why? Because Calvinism is a danger. It's something that you should not believe. And those people who teach you can lose your salvation, I have to take a stand against that because it's false doctrine. So Calvary Community Church, the preacher has to preach it. And he can't just pick and choose. He has to teach the whole counsel of God. That's why you go from one place to the next, all over the scriptures, and you're trying to teach what the Word of God says, warning and feeding at the same time. So um, he says here, and I want you to see this. Look in verse 13. He says, this witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Rebuke them 
That means don't agree with them. You rebuke them sharply that they may be silent. In other words, looking at somebody in the eye and tell them that's wrong and that's not good and that will not be taught in this church. It's not going to be taught as long as I'm pastor of this church. I find out somebody teaching something wrong, you're going to be dealt with. I don't care who the teacher is. I don't care if it's a deacon or an elder. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care if it's the women teaching. You're to teach truth. And so that's a critical thing. But now he goes through here and he says some wonderful things about the aged women teaching the ch- women and things like that. So there's nothing wrong with that. But I want you to notice what he says about the gospel. This is Titus. And he traveled along with Paul. I wonder if Paul made an influence upon his life. Evidently, it looks like it. Look what he says down here in verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation. What brings salvation? The grace of God brings salvation. And then notice up in verse 12. Teaching us that denying ungodliness. Does he not only know that salvation is by grace? But he also knows that grace teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Does that tell us how we're supposed to live in this present world? That's what we're supposed to do. And Paul says, I want you to appoint elders in every city and all the churches, and this is what they're supposed to know, this is what they're supposed to teach, and that's your job. And serving the Lord is a great opportunity. It's a great privilege, but it's great responsibility. Uh, Look what he says there in verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Now, then you get into chapter 3. Now look down in chapter 3 and verse 5. You don't have verse 5 underlined. You, you may not be saved. Just joking. But you ought to underline verse 5. You look what it says. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Do you think he had the gospel clear? You think he was under the law? He wasn't under the law. And he didn't have to be circumcised. And it didn't, Paul says, we didn't yield one iota to these law keepers. Wasn't to try to make them feel good and blessed and all that. No, no, Paul didn't do none of that. So, go back to the book of Galatians. Back to Galatians. So he says in verse 3, But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. In other words, he didn't have to be. And if he had to be, why didn't the apostles tell him that when they saw him? Because that wasn't what they were teaching. Somebody was telling a lie. And spreading the lies. But the people in Galatia were believing the lie. And that really upset the Apostle Paul. And I can understand why. Now, hold your place right here. And let's just take a little trip over there to Acts chapter 15. Because this is where we have to go every once in a while. Because it's, it's loaded with all kind of good stuff. Because it really explains what was going on. So the Apostle Paul, he had a, um, a friend of his. Well, his name was Peter. Uh, he was an apostle. And um, Peter went to the church in Antioch. Well, when Peter went down there to the church in Antioch, Paul had a church. And they had Jews and they had Gentiles in the church. And when Peter was there, everything was wonderful. They all ate together and everybody's getting along good. All the Jews and all the Gentiles, everybody's getting along fine. Wonderful party. But then some legalistic Jewsizers showed up. From Jerusalem. And Peter was a missionary to the Jews, remember? And Paul to the uncircumcision or Gentiles. So you got two guys here, two leaders, two strong leaders. And they come together. And so here's Paul, and he has a, a visiting evangelist, the Apostle Peter, come to his church. And you won't believe it. 
Guess who split his church? Peter split his church. Peter split his church because of those Jews that came down. Because when they showed up, Peter backed off. He wasn't going to eat with them because unclean, unclean, unclean. By his actions, he was going contrary to the truth of the gospel. And that these Gentiles, they weren't good enough. They're not good enough. So he had to back off from them because of them. He was afraid. Now you say, I never heard that before. Well, it's, it's right here in your Bible. You say, I didn't know that. It's in the book of Galatians chapter 2. And we're going to look at that later. Probably won't get to it tonight, but we will get to it sooner or later. But now here in the book of Acts in chapter 15. You notice in verse 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren. Now this is what Paul's talking about. And so when they came down and they started teaching this, well, then he had a problem with Peter. Because Peter separated himself from him. And so Paul confronted Peter to his face in front of everybody and told him what he was doing and confronted him. Paul did it. Now, was Peter the first pope and he was perfect? No, I don't think so. So in verse 1, and certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and says, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. Well, that caused a problem. Because see, when they decided, we need to go up there to Jerusalem. We need to go up there and talk to the head boys. Because that's where they said they come from. And, and that's what they're teaching. And so Paul didn't want to waste his time. He wanted to go straight to the horse's mouth and find out whether or not they were straight. Not whether he was. So he says here, in verse 2, now when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined what that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. So that's why they wound up going up there. Now they're the one that initiated this. So they go up to Jerusalem to see all the other apostles. And that's why Paul says, you know, after 15 years he goes back up there and now he's going to meet with the big boys. And he says, when we got together, he says, um, we decided they didn't have anything to add to our message, to straighten us out on anything, because he got it straight from the Lord, and he didn't have to change anything. The apostles, well, they agreed with Paul. So they were on the same page. So it's those legalistic Judaizers that were lying and sneaking into the church and splitting the church. It's just like you have people today that do the same thing. I've got people to call me on the phone. A man called me the other day all the way from California. He must have talked for half an hour. He started off real nice and sweet and kind, most kind, loving guy. By the time he got through, I had to hang up on him. I mean, it, was, it was terrible. But you see, that's, it's, it's sweetened. But they got one goal in mind. He didn't call me up to ask a question and get a good answer. It's because he wanted to learn something. He wanted to teach me. I said, sir... I've already been taught. I already know what I believe. I don't have time to waste my time. And I don't want to waste your time. I said, you sound like somebody who's already, you're permanently set in concrete, and so am I. So there's no sense me trying to convince you and you trying to convince me. I know what you believe. Now you know what I believe. And I'm not moving. How about you? So if we're not either one going to change, and I wasn't about to change, you think I'm going to chicken change my message on the gospel and start adding something to it? Not at this stage. If I was going to compromise the gospel, I should have started that 40, 50 years ago. I, I'm, I'm close to home. I, I, not about the time to play games. So anyway, 
Go back here to the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians. And we'll just read this part, but we'll cover it more in detail a little bit later. But what I want you to see there in verse 6. But of these who seem to be somewhat, whosoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. God accepts no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. In other words, they added nothing to the apostle Paul. This is what he says. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision to the Gentiles was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision to the Jews was unto Peter. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. So we were both leaders, both called by Christ, one to the Jews, one to the Gentiles, and we have the same gospel. The only thing that we agreed to do was, you know, be considered of the, the poor. And so he says that we were determined to do anyway. Look what he said in verse 9. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I would stood him to the face, because he was to be blamed." For before that, certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. In other words, the great apostle Peter, afraid. Yes, that's what the Bible says. And the other Jews, well, he influenced those Jews and the Gentiles in the church. They were getting along fine until Peter saw them, and then he backs away, and then below, Barnabas did the same thing. He'd been traveling with Paul. So Peter influenced Barnabas. And then when they've dissimulated hypocrisy, then the other Jews, well, they backed off from the Gentiles. One man split his church. You think that made Paul upset? Yes, it did. In verse 13, and the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their hypocrisy, the dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the, here's those words, truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, live after the manner of Gentiles, and Peter probably says, Oh, don't tell them I do that. He says, and not as do the Jews. Why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? You don't. Why are you trying to get the Gentiles to live like the Jews? Because you're a Jew and you live like the Gentiles. You're not doing it. He faced him in front of everybody. Well, anyway, that's why he says there in verse 15, We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles... In other words, we've got our own sins to worry about. And Joseph the Gentiles. But then he gets into this wonderful gospel. And as he says here, look at this verse. He's talking, I still believe, to the apostle Peter. This is what he told Peter. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we, you and me, Peter, we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the works, or by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are still sinners. We're not saved yet then. If I have to get under the law to be saved, that means I'm not saved. 
If I'm seeking to be justified, it means I haven't been justified yet. I am already saved. I'm not seeking to be saved. I've already been justified. I'm not seeking to be justified. I've been pasteurized. I'm not seeking to be pasteurized. Oh, well, we'll just move right along. But whenever you got the gospel and you see it clearly, it's, um, it's amazing. I love it. But anyway, look up here. Isn't it wonderful to have these notes and then I can teach you on anything I want? Sometimes I go by them. Sometimes it doesn't really matter, but they're good for you to study. Look up here. This hand represents you and me, and the wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. Everybody is a sinner. We all are sinners. But God says that he loves sinners. He came to save sinners. If they're so-called righteous people that say, well, I don't have any sin. Well, God can't save them because Christ only came to save sinners. He didn't come to save the good people. He came to save the bad people. And there's only bad people. And the wages of sin is death. That means eternal separation from God and hell. But God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We have all sinned. And we cannot save ourselves. We need a Savior. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin, because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. And said the only thing we have to do is believe he did that for us. So when I believed it 58 years ago, his death was put to my account. And as far as God is concerned, I was crucified with Christ. And I was buried with Christ, and I come back from the dead. So I am free from the law because the law has killed me. And my position is in Christ. And in Christ, I am forgiven. In Christ, I am righteous. In Christ, I am perfect. In Christ, I'm ready to go. That's the best news. All the world. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're watching by internet tonight, I want you to know that God loves you and he loves you very much. And he proved his love by making a payment for your sins, just like he did for us and anybody in the world. And the only thing he wanted us to do was believe he did it for us. I believe it. Therefore, he gave me eternal life. If you'll believe it, he'll give you eternal life. And if it's eternal life, it lasts forever. If it's eternal life and lasts forever, where would you go when you die? Because all your sins are paid. That was the best news I ever heard my whole life. And I hope that you'll trust Christ as your Savior. If you're in the auditorium and you've never trusted the Lord in the quietness of this moment, would you just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I believe Christ died, paid for my sins, and I'm going to trust him right now as my Savior. Friend, if you'll trust him, God said he would save you. If you know Christ as Savior, you're God's child, you know you're going to heaven when you die, serve the Lord. But take a strong stand for the defense of the gospel. Defend that message because you're defending what Christ did on the cross. It's the difference of heaven and hell. That's how serious it is. Father, we do thank you so much for your blessings to us. Thank you for this time together. Bless each person here. Many are going to have a lot of difficulties this week because we live in a sinful world. We have sinful bodies. We've got lust of the flesh and problems galore. And I pray that you'll be with each one. Bless them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.